great future. We're talking real money. Well, I really hope that today you would be listening to Saturday's radio show that aired on Como Radio in Seattle. We had a delay yesterday, apparently, in getting the audio from the station to me for editing into a podcast. And then I got a note today saying, well, it'll be delayed a little more. And then as the day progressed, I finally made a phone call. By the way, people don't make phone calls anymore, do they? I miss phone calls. I actually kind of like phone calls. Well, I don't like scam phone calls, but regular ones, they're good. They're better than emails and text messages. It's just to me. Uh, but that's an aside. Uh, it turns out that the recorder that records the audio broke over the weekend. So, the only ones who are going to hear Saturday's show are folks on other planets when the radio signal eventually reaches them many light years from now. So, I have to do a new podcast. A last minute one. So, what we're going to do today is uh, some more questions because we still have a lot of written ones. And because we have written questions, and I hate it just being my voice, and I know some of you don't like it, but at least it breaks it up a little bit. I'm using my friends, the robots, to read the questions. And since all of the questions I had for the show were from men, I'm using male robotic voices. And I'm using, I'm trying to use only the ones that sound pretty good. Some of them sound really fake. These sound actually pretty darn good. So I'm going to do a Q&A thing today, um, and um, we might as well just get started with our very first one. Hello, Tom and Don. I love your podcast, Educational and Entertaining. Don, you've been talking about Series I Treasury Bonds in the last several podcasts, and so now I am considering them. I am married and in a high tax bracket, 35%. We are both in our late 40s. In our taxable account, for the bond portion we have been using municipal funds, VTEB, but am now wondering if Series I Treasury bonds would be a better choice. Or maybe an E Series bond to redeem in 20 years when we retire? Which is a more tax-savvy bond strategy for a taxable account and which would you recommend for us? Thank you. Being in a high tax bracket, I can understand your desire to maximize your after-tax yield. However... The yields are so low across the board that you're not making, it's not going to make much of a difference anymore. Used to make a big difference. It doesn't when we're down to these little skinny, skinny yields. Right now on that Vanguard tax exempt ETF, you're earning taxable equivalent no more than one and a quarter percent, basically about what you could get on a taxable bond. So it's so close to a wash. Now, if you are considering leaving some money invested for a while in a safe vehicle, then the Series I bonds start to make some sense. But bear in mind, you can only do $10,000 per person. But that 3.5% yield, at least for this six-month period, is very attractive. It's an adjustable rate, so it's going to change over time based on inflation. But it's, a nice, it's nice to have an inflation hedge in a portfolio. But really, on an after-tax basis, it's so close to a wash these days. 
And bear in mind, the uh, the Series I bonds are federally taxable. They're not state and local taxable, but they are federally taxable. So uh, you're going to pay taxes on them. But in your case, that only reduces your that reduces your yield by about one percent over time. So eh, it's a tough one. It's real. There's really no clear cut answer, and it's to the point where safety is really the main thing you should be looking for, not yield at this point. Thanks for the note, and I uh, hope the robot did all right reading you. Let's uh, switch to another robot voice now, shall we? Love your show and listen regularly. I need you to explain why I shouldn't pay the taxes for a Roth conversion for money pulled from my taxable IRA. I don't have after-tax money to make Roth conversions. Well, the reason you don't want to pay taxes out of money in your IRA to convert to a Roth IRA is that to get the full benefit of a conversion to a tax-free account, you need to have the most money there possible. And you see, if you take it out of the IRA and you pay the 20 to 30% in taxes, you are going to reduce the amount of money that goes into the Roth IRA and grows tax-free from that point on, which dramatically reduces the benefit, if not completely eliminates it, really, though, depending on what your tax rate is now and what it might be in the future. You're probably better off if you have to pay it out of the IRA to just let the IRA ride as an IRA and then pay, let it grow tax-deferred so that you grow on top of money you would have been paying out in taxes, let it compound based on that, and then take it out when you need it in retirement or when you're faced with required minimum distributions. But uh, I can tell you the hit is so dramatic that it does not make financial sense for you to pay the taxes out of the IRA to do the transfer to a Roth. I would not do it if I couldn't afford to pay the taxes out of other monies. So I would leave it the heck alone. Thanks for the note. And let's do, uh, we'll, we'll get a couple more in. Here's uh, here's another question typed in at TalkingRealMoney.com and read by Artificial Intelligence. Tom and Don, you guys are easily in my top 25 personal finance podcasts of all time. I mostly listen at night when I am trying to go to sleep. I recently left my advisor after nearly 10 years once I finally found interest in educating myself how to manage my own portfolio with simplicity, globally diversified index funds, low cost, tax triangle, etc. We were paying high load and expense costs for years. I've successfully transferred everything over to Fidelity and I have two questions. One. I have three mutual funds in particular that represent about 35000 in a liquid non-retirement brokerage account. They are C-shares, which you guys love, sarcasm, with expense ratios from 1.9 to 2.0%. They have produced good returns but the expenses bug the crap out of me. Should I sell ASAP and swallow paying the long-term gains and budget for the year-end tax? Should I wait until year-end and use to fund backdoor Roths and sell gradually to spread out? Well, let me answer part one first, and then I'll go to part two after this. Um, and I, I'm glad that we can put you to sleep. I'm not sure that's a compliment, but okay. Uh, <laughs> we just knock people out. Wow, 1.9 to 2%. You see, that's the danger of C-shares. Everyone out there, all of you, listen to me. Listen, you, you, and you, and you, and you. Go to your account statements for your investments. 
and make sure they don't say C shares. There's no C in the name of the fund. You know, blank, 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 C. Blank, 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 B is also bad. B, B shares and C shares, which is hard to say at the seashore, uh, are really ridiculously expensive, and they're tools by which the brokers hide their commissions. They're dishonest. They're horribly dishonest. Uh, would I get out of them all at once? Well, no, because you don't want to slam yourself with taxes, but I would get rid of as much of it as I could and not kick myself into a new tax bracket. Do some tax planning. If you have something that's that's at a loss, which you probably don't, you might want to sell that to offset some of the gains you have there. But when you're paying 2% a year, if the portfolio is making 10 2% is like paying 20% in taxes every year. So I almost think it's better off just to, you're better off just to pay all the taxes and get out of the darn things. And oh my goodness, these things are expensive. Now let's get to the second part of your question. Two, we were paying 5.75% load on three 529 plans. I've now transferred into Fidelity and we're fortunate that we started at birth and we still have 10 plus years before our oldest graduates from high school. My question is regarding the best 529 state plan with Fidelity. And what strategy do you recommend, target date for simplicity or more aggressive until about 5 to 7 years out and then scale back to target date? Thanks so much for all you do. Unbelievable. Commissions on 529 plans. It's just, I can't even imagine they make enough money to make it worthwhile. But whatever, you know, every little bit helps the broker. Uh, I don't know who uses Fidelity. I'm sure there are several out there, but we usually suggest the Utah 529, my529.com. Um, and, and just go with one of the age-based solutions. That's the simplest. You could try to actively manage it, you know, being more aggressive initially and then compressing that glide path, but why bother? Uh, just get it in there, let the, let it grow for the kids, and uh, use what you have when you're there. Because the fund choices are pretty good. They use Vanguard and DFA at, uh, at Utah. So thanks for the note, and let's do one more, shall we? Hello. I am enjoying the podcast. I listen to it almost every day and find it very entertaining and appreciate the fact that you are so willing to help people. Recently, my father passed away, and he was always the person I could ask for financial-slash-investment questions. Since he passed, I have been trying to learn on my own. If I am reading everything correctly, I think that my mutual fund portfolio may have too much overlap, as well as high expense ratios. I am invested in three funds from T. Rowe Price, TRBCX, Pritx and PRGTX, one from Janice Henderson, JANRX, and I opened a Vanguard account, VSIAX, last week. Now, I realize that all but the Vanguard expense ratios were over 0.5%. Are expense ratios the same as fees? Should I look into transferring these funds to a better account? Thank you all so much again for your help. I need to start by sending my condolences for the loss of your father. I'm so sorry. I know how, how difficult that can be, and... Uh... I'm glad to see you going out and figuring it out so you can provide advice to generations to follow. Yeah, what you did was pretty common investing 
from the old school, the actively managed school. You know, you buy the the S&P 500, which is in essence that T. Rowe Price blue chip growth, and then you got a couple of uh, moderately aggressive international funds in the international discovery and the global tech from T. Rowe Price. However, you're not talking about just over 0.5%. You're talking about a lot over 0.5%. The blue chip growth fund, 068 well, seven-tenths of a percent. The international discovery, 1.2% a year. And that's a no-load fund. And then 0.86 on the global tech. And then you have the Janus Global Select at 0.84. And let's just compare that to the Vanguard Small Cap Value Index that you have at 0.07. 0.07. Or... <laughs> one-tenth of your least expensive actively managed fund. Your portfolio is a bit of a hodgepodge. It's You're right. You've got some redundancy. Uh, I don't know how this is split up, but it seems that you're overweighted internationally, which is unique. Uh, I would go to TalkingRealMoney.com and take a look at our uh, Vanguard, since you're in Vanguard, look at our Vanguard three fund portfolio. It's down in the news stories down the page. You'll see three funds from three groups. And divide the money based on your risk tolerance, and you can take our risk quiz there, between the U.S. growth, the U.S., I mean the international, the U.S. bond, and then continue to use the VSIAX, the small cap value, as a little kicker to the tune of about maybe 10 or 20% of the total portfolio because small cap value has had a tendency to do better than bigger companies because they're more risky, the small cap value stocks. So uh, go, go cheap because right now you're giving away about, wow, about nine-tenths of or eight-tenths of a percent a year in, in extra fees that you don't need to be giving away that can accrue to your future. So I think you may need to make some changes. Go to TalkingRealMoney.com. If you have questions, you can send them to us at TalkingRealMoney.com. You can also speak them at TalkingRealMoney.com. And I really like it when you speak them. We all like it when you speak them. You can also call them in and speak them at 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255. Then I don't have to use a computer or speak them myself. So you'll save me some work and you'll make the show sound better. If you need more complex help than we can provide in the confines of our podcasts and our show, we make our 100% fiduciary advisors available to anyone who needs some help for a limited period of time for free, no cost, no obligation. It's really easy. You just go to Vestory, V-E-S-T-O-R-Y.com. That's our firm. Scroll down, set up an appointment. We'll make sure that somebody gets in touch with you and helps you with your situation and doesn't pressure you into doing anything. That's a promise. Please tell your friends, your neighbors, your acquaintances, anybody you bump into about Talking Real Money. And if you really like what you hear, please leave a review at Apple Podcasts because, well, it helps build the audience and it makes us feel good when we read them. Thanks for being there. I'm Don McDonald. 
hanging out, talking real money. Talking real money. We hope you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for educational and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time, so please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment, tax, or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately, consistently predict the future. So, past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Vestry, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. Are we done now?